Well, I feel as though we've got some Ontario Hockey League royalty on the OHL podcast this week because anybody you talk to will tell you that the Memorial Cup that this guy not only played in but captained the winning team of was the greatest Memorial Cup in the history of the Junior Hockey Championship in Canada. Ian Fraser, Fraz, makes time to join the pod. It is great to have you on the show, sir. Well, Mike, it's my honor, man. Uh, as as most of the guys are involved in that game, we relive it a lot. We talk about it, and, and we still dream about it and stuff. But uh, I'm honored, and thanks for uh, for considering me to come on your show. We will get to that and the guys that played in that game because the whole dynamic fascinates me. But before we get there, as a Scarborough kid playing in Oshawa was basically like playing in, in your next door neighborhood, wasn't it? Yeah, well, actually, I moved out to Oshawa when I was about 14. So I actually had uh, a good portion of my youth in, in Oshawa. I played Oshawa minor um, with several guys on the uh, on the generals that we grew up together. And I, actually, uh, Joey St. Alban, too, was my neighbor. So I grew up with Joe, and Joe played a year up with us. So the connection between the two teams is it, it runs a lot deeper. But, yeah, I grew up in Toronto. Actually, I grew up in Toronto with uh, Mark Montaneri. Mark and I played youth hockey together. Uh, we were both captains of that team, obviously. And our moms were friends, and they dropped the puck because it was on Mother's Day. How about that? Amazing. Yeah. Small world, hockey world. You know it. You're in it. So those names that you just dropped, though, names with the Kitchener Rangers, that team that you beat, not only that OHL championship, but then that Memorial Cup that everybody remembers so much. And that's what I find fascinating, that you guys, Fraz, have have all remained close and friendly, even on opposite teams. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, what's astonishing about that, we played those guys probably 100 times that year, it seemed like. It was probably just the two major major events but both i mean the seven games in the ohl cup ohl final was unbelievable two evenly matched teams and the thing is we hated each other when the jerseys were on the puck was drops and the fans were cheering but off the ice summer times we golfed together we partied together we 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 guys grew up together in youth hockey and and uh but when it was time to when it was time to battle that that was some good battles you shared with me a, a picture of you and Steve Rice, the captain of the Kitchener Rangers, holding the Memorial Cup on the front page of a of a magazine. And yeah. and you and, and Ricer had a chance to recreate that photo when you ran into each other not too long ago. Yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> and, and forgive me for my tooth there. One of my old school hockey players is missing a lot of teeth. So my one of my caps fell off the other day when I was eating a steak. So it's, uh, it's not any kind of other habits. It's just it's funny. So mind uh be mindful of that but anyway uh ironically that rice and i had played pro against each other for years and we kept in touch and then when he retired i retired and started a little hockey program here in, in the cincinnati area and rice was doing the same for the kids in the raleigh area for the the junior hurricanes so we ended up running each other at hockey events for youth hockey events and we reconnected and everything else and and uh i ran into him once in pittsburgh his son was playing and uh, we we're outside and Again, old school guys like me, I have a horrible habit of some, some tobacco use. And I was outside uh, filling that uh, addiction. And I was beside this big ashtray. And it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, like a pottery ashtray outside. And I kept thinking to myself, it looks like the Moral Cup. As I was doing that, Ricer and his boy came up. And it was obviously 30, 25 years later. And he always sent me the picture every once in a while and giggles through text and stuff. And I introduced, he introduced to his boy. And uh, I looked at the cup and he looked, he goes, God, that looks like a World Cup. I said, let's pick it up. Let's recreate the photo. So we picked it up, two old dudes 
with a, uh, a cigarette ashtray from outside of Rink in Pittsburgh, and his son snapped the picture, and Ricer put it up on social media, and we all had a good laugh about it. It was pretty fun. I actually had seen it on his Twitter feed before yeah. you sent it over. But yeah, it's uh, it's so great that you guys could do that. And all those years later, even though, as you said, when you put on that jersey, you hated one another. But after yeah. the games were done and all these years later, you can reconnect as as guys that just really went through the trenches, I guess, in the game. Absolutely. Especially Ricer, because he was a man child in junior. And if he come up full tilt hitting you, you're going to feel it for years. Like I still feel some things that uh, he hit me with in, in junior. But uh, ironically, is uh, I'll tell you another quick story about Ricer since we're we still connect and we still talk a lot. He he called me up one day. I live in Kentucky. I married a girl from Kentucky. I retired here and I have some friends in the, the horse business because the bluegrass state, it's all horses. Right. One of my best friends is a Canadian guy that has a horse farm down here. And I always have kind of hookups for the Derby, which is the big event down here. Obviously, you know, he called me up on a Wednesday um, out of the blue. And he said, Frazzy says it's my wife's 40th birthday. And um and her bucket list go to the Derby. Can we come up and stay with you? And can you hook us up for the Derby? I said, God damn, right? So the Derby's on Saturday. I mean, the King of Siam couldn't get a ticket right now. You're going to ask me if I have connections. I said, don't worry about it. Just get up here. We'll go in the infield. You can buy a ticket. We'll have a great time. He gets up there Thursday night. We go up for dinner Friday morning. I call one of my buddies at GE who has some tickets. We got four great tickets. I said, Russ, uh, Rice, you're the luckiest man alive. We got four good tickets in the in the grandstand, you're going to Derby, you and your wife. Perfect. Also, we're loving it. So we're going down to get the tickets on Saturday to the Derby. My horse buddy calls me, John. Um, and he says, listen, our horse for the Derby got scratched. We're not going. We're not using the owner's box. Do you want the tickets? On our way to the Derby. So from Wednesday to Saturday, he went from nothing to sitting in the owner's box for the Kentucky Derby. And he said to me, he had the, he had the balls to say to me after, we're coming back every year for this for us. I go, Jesus buddy you just caught a unicorn by the tail you ain't getting this ever again so we had a good laugh about that but he him and his wife had a great time and so we we uh we connect quite a bit me and Ricer. do you feel like maybe you just owed him that after winning that memorial cup all those years I ago did feel guilty i did feel guilty a few times yeah uh because i said i at least i could do it for you since we stole that right from under you guys uh the only thing it wasn't the home rink because it was kind of a neutral site game there it was, it was great because it was close to both of us right so we had all our fans and family and friends and and they did too. And then plus a hockey fans and people from Hamilton. And I'm glad it was in, in, in cops because any other rink wouldn't have held all those people. It was such an amazing, amazing thing to, to be part of. That's for sure. So let's talk about that season for leading up to the OHL championship where you met Kitchener and then the Memorial cup, because yeah, you mentioned it was at cops. Hamilton was the host, but they had to bow out because the team was so bad. So it was taken away yeah. from them. At what point during that season though, as, as a team that obviously had a shot, did this all yeah. sink into you as yeah, a possibility well, and we're going to make a run. Ironically, I, I, it's I kind of mixed emotions on that because uh, one of my best friends growing up, one of my best friends today, is Sean McCosh who was the captain of the Hamilton Dukes at the time. And then he got pulled out of Memorial Cup. So he was quite sad about that. But it was the right thing to do, I think, in, in, in hindsight. But yeah, we had, I mean, our team, we had a nice veteran group of great players. But I, I think the main thing that made us special was that we all truly, I mean, a lot of guys say this, but we truly, because today we still talk on a daily basis, 90% of those guys. We truly love each other. We hung out together. We partied together. We trained together. We fought together. And we just had a special group. And that was one of the issues when, obviously, we were going to get the golden child. 
I mean, one of the best players ever to play the game with Eric Lindros as a 15-year-old. And at that time, I think we were probably rated in the top three or four in Canada as a junior team. We were going pretty strong. And so we had a captain's meeting and an owner's meeting with the coaches and the owners and stuff and said, we got a chance to get Big E. What do you think? And I was kind of hesitant, but to be honest, I love Eric. I'm so glad it happened the way it did. But I was a little leery because we had such a cohesive unit and we were, we were good enough to make a run for it on our own. I wasn't sure how that dynamic was going to play. And some of the guys said, you're crazy for us. I said, okay, I'm into whatever the group wants. So we decided, yeah, let's go for it. We're bringing Eric in. He fit in like a charm. He can, he has a presence, obviously, right? Big Eric. I mean, he had the media falling around and he had some bad raps about being this and being that. He came in. He was one of our brothers. He fit in perfectly. I mean, we relied on him. He relied on us. And, and uh, obviously, the hockey speaks for itself of how much he elevated our team, which, you know, just made us more the favorite than anything, you know? What are your memories of that OHL championship, the seven-game series against Kitchener? Fucking tired. I mean, that was a <laughs> battle, man. God, but they had a big, strong team, very talented team. I mean, I was going through the lineup again, obviously, because I'm getting old now. My memory's a little gone, but I was just going through it. I mean, they had some NHLers. I mean, they had some OHL All-Stars. Um, the Torch, my buddy in goal, was he's one of the best junior goalies that I've ever played against, right? Um, and then, uh, so we knew going in, they were a great team, right? I think we might have played them once or twice during the year. We're home and home, obviously. So we knew what we were getting into. We were a confident group, um, but they came out. They took a 3-0 lead on us, I believe, if I'm correct, three games to nothing. And we had to real do some soul searching and say, hey, man, I mean, these guys are for real. And uh, so we ended up pulling together and, and, and I ended up beating them, I think, in Oshawa in the seventh game to win the cup. But, I mean, as far as series goes, I mean, you, you can go up and down, live a whole hockey career and never have a series like that again. Back and forth tough uh, physical back in that day right you had your, your your superstars and and your offensive guys scoring lots of goals but you had your your tough defenseman your goalie standing on their head and, and you go in front of the net and you got Yorkie pounding on your back and you go in front of ours you got Billy Armstrong doing the same to their guys man but it was back and forth it was something that I'll never forget as far as as far as my hockey career I played a long time but that that series stands out um it's quite uh quite painful <laughs> for one but uh but uh quite exhilarating the same the same sense it's a, i mean hockey guys sport guys in general the competition the higher the better right you know that you don't want to win every game ain't nothing you want to be in one you know i can i can score the winning goal you think about it right i'm gonna make the make the block or i'm gonna you know catch that guy in the break or whatever it is um so it, it was it was quite thrilling quite rewarding actually you mentioned Torch, Mike Torkia, the goaltender, obviously, for the Kitchener Rangers. You didn't have a slouch in goal with Oshawa either. This Freddie Brathwaite guy was not bad. Well, he was all right. He ended up playing, <laughs> uh, you know, having a little bit of a career in, 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 <laughs> in pro hockey. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. The most calm, cool, collected cat I've ever met in my life. And we he's part of our, our – our, we still talk all the time with Freddie. Uh, funny, funnier than all get up Freddie was, but it was funny because Butsy was kind of our number one that year. Freddie was really young. And when Butsy got hurt, uh, he said, Freddie, your turn. And it's like, he was going in for a shoot, shoot around. I mean, he's like calm and cool. And I thought he was nervous inside, but wouldn't show it. So I made a little joke to him on the bench and he laughed and he went in there and stood on his head. I mean, it was unbelievable. He, and he went on, obviously we all know what his the future held for him, but, uh, we had, we had, absolute confidence in that that man going into the net in a in a tough situation he he was a star of the show to me i mean he was the, he was the mvp not me <laughs> for sure <laughs> without, without, without a doubt he was the mvp 
was was that joke a captain's way of easing like easing the jitters of a young player? I, I was some stupid, uh, very simple joke that he obviously, I don't know if he laughed. He just looked at me, goes almost saying like, seriously, Fraz, right now you're going to tell me that joke. And, and it, he got a little chuckling, went back. I was just trying to loosen the tension. I mean, what else? I didn't know what else to do. I had to, as the captain, I had to kind of, he's coming off the bench. I want to give him some advice or not advice. Cause I don't know better than him, but uh, just make him well, get going. We need this. Right. And, I thought of a joke and I, I told him a small joke, a funny, like, what do you call a fish with no eye or something stupid like that? Right. And he just laughed, went in there and stopped every shot. And then on it, I think so, <laughs> you uh, mentioned that torch. Freddie. that's Freddie's, that's Freddie's men mentality. He put him in any situation. That boy's going to shine. Because you brought him up. Torch is actually a good friend. He and I were broadcasting together for a while yeah. and this, this series. So I grew up, a junior hockey fan. I'm from Kitchener. This Memorial mm-hmm. Cup is forever etched in my mind. And as I said at the beginning of this conversation, people talk about it as as really the Memorial Cup that put junior hockey on the map in this country. So many things just worked out. The location you mentioned, both teams having fans that travel in. Anyway, I reached out to Torch because I, when I was working with him, we were in North Bay doing a game. And one of your old teammates, Corey Banica, was there scouting. Bands, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Bands and Torch hug each other like they're old friends and yeah. i'm looking at this going wait a minute like the, the memorial cup the ohl championship oshawa yeah. beat kitchener and you guys each are, other right right yeah. but so that opened my eyes that these relationships that you and i have already talked about yeah well that time you're talking about i actually got the text look who i ran into come on Manica with torch yeah if i can find out show it to you but we get that all the time i mean honestly i, I send pictures to all the boys say hey ricer's down for derby or I seen Ricer and Ricer came up to me one time when I was playing, we were playing, I was behind the bench at a youth. I was coaching about a 15 U team or something. And you know how big the glass is behind the bench. I'm standing up there and I'm watching the game. I'm doing something. And all of a sudden I get picked literally off my fucking feet. Boom. Up, I'm like, what the hell? I'm being attacked. Look back. It's Ricer had jumped over and grabbed me by the back of the, the thing and pulled me up. But it's those things that you go to battle against some guys and, I mean, you're all in it for the same reason, right? You 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 play junior because you love the game. You want to go on to pro hockey. Some guys do, some guys don't. But it, it does not take away from the amount of time and effort and passion you put in. And I think hockey guys, more than any other sports guys, respect that about each other. So when it's all said and done, you can look at a guy. You might have a fight with him, fought him every game you played against that guy and wanted to beat the shit right out of him. But you respect him after and the next time you see him say, I watched your career, dude, I loved it. I loved seeing you. Good for you. How's your family? You know what I mean? I see your kids are doing well. How's your health? You know, we do all that stuff. And I think more than any other sport, the, the humility and the humbleness of, of hockey players in general, you'll see more of that. And, and that's what you see with especially those two teams because we had such a history, right? So I asked Torch about you before we sat yeah. down today. Yeah. Uh, here's his response. Great guy. <laughs> he led them in our Memorial Cup, played both ends of the ice so well that he shut down all of our big guns and he was such a smart playmaker, 200 foot game. How does that land with you from the goaltender that you played against? Well, I mean, uh, honored for a guy of, of, of that caliber of person, not only um, as a goalie, but as a person um, to hear that from him, that he even remembers my name is, is pretty special. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we, for, for I mean, Eric Lindros, sure. You know, Shane Stevenson, sure. Uh, some of the, the bigger name, offensive wizards in, in, in OHL, you had to play 200 feet. You had to be tough or you would never go up past junior. Right. So to hear from a guy that actually saw it and said, Oh, I noticed that I must've 
did something decently well that a guy like the all-star goalie in OHL and a guy we put against a lot would say is, is, is and I thank Torch. Thanks buddy. <laughs> I'll <laughs> make sure he hears that. Tell Absolutely. him I said that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I will for sure. It's interesting to me to hear that take and, and how you shut down Kitchener's big guns. When I'm looking at just the numbers for yeah. you were almost two points per game in the playoffs that year, 32 points yeah. over 17 games. Yeah. I think he's given a little too much, too much credit on the, the shutting down their big guns because obviously in junior line match. And I think at that during the cup, I think I was playing with uh, two uh, uh, ladder NHLers and Brent Grieve and, and Mikey Craig. So we were pretty offensive line too. So I, I'm sure we had rival Fulham and, and a few of those boys on our, on our tail more than I was on their tail as far as uh, shutting down Joey and, and, and Jilby and, and, and the more offensive guys, Yorkie and those guys. So but I, I thank him for the sentiment, but uh, it's a little, probably a little more than I deserve. Do you remember anything that might've been said in that intermission before the second overtime, before the goal was scored that won it for you guys? Oh man. Um, it, I was thinking about this the other day when you reached out and said, you're going to do this. And I was all nervous. I said, what am I going to say? I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> like <a dumb laughs> hockey player. But uh we we had a comp not a cocky group. I mean, some people I thought some guys were cocky. I get that's hockey, whatever. We had a confident group, like almost a silent confidence in our group that um um we were in the, it was pretty quiet. It was more it was more trying to just keep everybody upbeat because we're all dead tired, obviously. And you work all year and it's gonna come down to to one shot that's gonna make or break your legacy in junior hockey, right? And I always felt bad for the Kitchener guys because such a great team, such great players, such a great season. And one shot by Billy Armstrong from the corner of the blue line changes who goes down in history and who's all kind of forgotten. And I was, I always felt bad about that, but I'm glad I was on the one side, Mike. You don't get me wrong. I got that arrogance in me, but I, I don't know. Maybe I said a couple of things. A couple of the veterans might've said a few things, just like guys, we work too hard. It comes down to just, you know, just go out there and give you all that. Whatever you got left in the tank is, I always use this expression now because I heard it back then. I don't know who said it, but it was like, I don't care if you have 25% left in your t- gas tank. I want 100% of that 25. You know what I mean? And that was kind of our attitude. And uh, and fortunately, if it went any further, I don't think any of the boys would have came out from the dressing room. If we had another overtime, both teams would have probably said, we'll just call it a draw and walk <laughs> away. But but we were fortunate to, to get that, that, uh, that goal, so. So Armstrong lets Armstrong lets that shot go. It goes in yeah. the net. Yeah. Where were you? What was your view of it? And what you happened what? next? I, I try to watch because the video gets sent out all the time. The last part, and guys are going crazy. Guys are going all over the place. I don't even know where I was. I think I was on the ice or came off the bed. I don't know, man. I was going one way, and Scaldi was going the other, and it was just it was chaotic. It was such a people always say when when things like that happen with championships. I would say, what were you feeling at the time? I don't know. Anyone that can say they know is crazy because it's it's such a combination of relief, you know, exhaustion, uh, uh, elation. I mean, there's so many things go through your mind at time, and you're just finding, and you just end up doing something naturally. And my thing was go find somebody, right? Someone on my team to say, "Hey, we won! Can you believe it? We just won!" And but it was chaotic on the ice. I watched the video, and guys were running around, guys were falling on the ice, and everything else. And so, as far as my thought process at that point, um, probably relieved you know, relieved that it was over, that we couldn't go much longer and relieved that, that we did something that's, that uh, we as a group will, will never, ever forget. So. Obviously 
you're in it and your focus at the time is that game, that moment. And it would take a while for it all to kind of sink in. But I, I meant what I've said a couple of times already on this podcast. And that is that people look at that Memorial cup as the Memorial cup. That's the standard has, yeah. as a guy that played in it, as a guy that captained the winning team of it, does that, yeah. that when did that start sinking in for you? Or do you even feel that way about it? I, I do. And I'll tell you why it's because like well, the, the exact phrase you just use, we hear that all the time. We see it on social media. We hear whenever it's bro- breaking up it, the, the comments always start the greatest junior game ever. Right. And so that puts you, I mean, it's a hyperbole, whatever you want to call it, but it, in, in people's minds, it was, it, it is because would you rather go see a game that's six, one in the finals, the two best teams in Canada, well, there's four there, but the two best teams coming out of that, uh, or would you rather see? Would you? It's like the, that movie or the or the or the, the show Yellowstone or something you love that, and it's just about then you're like, I don't want this to end. As a fan, you want this to end with 15 more overtimes, exciting, right? On the edge of your seat and stuff like that. So I think because of the overtimes and the fact that it was two teams that I played so many times together, and we had gone to overtime in the round robin too, I believe. Um, it was just a perfect fit. It was a perfect storm to make the great game, right? They owed us because we beat them before. We just, we had confidence that we know we can beat them if we play our best, right? We already beat them once there. You know, it took us overtime, but still. So we were confident going in and everyone was at their best. I can't say anyone I could say didn't have a good, a good game. I mean, guys had great games, but everyone gave it their all. And it was, it was a, it was a fun looking back and watching it over before. I was like, I understand why the fans like this game. It was fucking awesome. Really? It really was, right? It was awesome. It was everything. It was physical. It was fast. It was back and forth. There was goals. There was this. There was that. It was just an exciting thing to, to behold, I guess. So. You mentioned earlier that Memorial Cup MVP. Where does it mm-hmm. rank? Memorial Cup MVP or NHL All-Rookie? Oh, uh, I would have uh, MVP. Uh, I, I'm a type of person I think most people would agree with me is, is I like to see other guys succeed and kind of take the, the second, the second seat, you know, who deserves it. Right. So the MVP, uh, believe me, it's heartfelt. And I love it. And I'm very, very proud of that. But that wasn't the major thing coming out of that. The major thing was to see Freddie come up. Right. The major thing was guys that didn't go on to play pro hockey, that they got a chance to, to win a, a championship as a group. Uh, the guys that work their ass, Joe Basillos and Corey Banicas and those guys that usually don't get the press during times are starting to get say they're the reasons why we won this thing, right? And I was good, I was happy for those guys, right? And Griever and I too, because we're overage and we had gone through it four years earlier as rookies, and we were real short on it. And and for for Griever to get that too, that's outstanding junior hockey career and NHL after the fact, but for him and I to to get one because we were gone right those guys might have another chance but Brent and I that was our last chance but but I mean just to see all the guys faces and that's again it's something at any level of any kind of sport or anything you do you win a champion championship it's the old cliche they just can't take it away from you there's nothing they can do to take it away from you, you earned it you guys did it together especially in the team sport you did it it's there forever you can talk about it remember it love it honor it whatever you have a, a bond between the guys you did it with because they were in the trenches with you. So as far as the MVP, um, yes, again, flattered, humbled, honored. Um, but the, the the cup obviously was my biggest goal in hockey. The NHL MVP was more of a pride thing. Is I made it. And not only did I make it, I actually, 
I did something uh, um, pretty good for a little while there. So that was more of a, a personal achievement for me. So uh, they all rank real high, but the cup itself for the group, I think, was the fucking crown crown jewel, man. That's out. I'll, I'll I mean, I might forget some games in the NHL. I'll never forget those games, ever. You talked about the the physical toll that the series, the Memorial Cup took on you. It was obviously a, a different game back then. You even made reference to the caps you've got because, you know, you're an old hockey player. You've missing yeah. some teeth after all of this. Yeah, what did you yeah, think yeah. of the game back then compared to where it's at today? What I, I, I we, we go over this, too, because I'm still kind of involved in the hockey and I talk to all the hockey boys. Right. Like you said, we, we stay into Corey's still scouting and I get report to Paul Hagen scouting and Billy Armstrong's GM of Phoenix and. Most of the guys have kids playing and stuff. The way I like to to, to to talk about it is I got one of my billets from my 60 new team here, Dan and Krug here from one of my goalies from Huntsville just came up. So um, there were, we were, we had some athletes, pure athletes, right? Athletic guys, but mostly they were great hockey players, right? Nowadays, I think you got more great athletes that know how to play hockey. They're faster. They're more, I mean, they, they got, it's a 24 seven proposition where we, we do the, the practice, a little bit of training, summer's off type deal. Um, but we all knew how to play the game. Right. And we played it with our hearts and our balls and, uh, and whatever skill we had that we could, we could <laughs> sprinkle over the top there. All these guys now are super skilled, super fast, super athletic, uh, super trained, super uh, conscious about, about uh you know diet and all that stuff that's the difference i think is is guys back then um we just knew how to play the game and played it uh, with more more of their 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 uh, body parts internally (laughs) (laughs) and uh the guys now rely on just just the pure speed skill strength all that stuff it's it's a different game Uh, no one can I, i hate even comparing them because it's just two different areas like comparing you know, Gordy Howe to, to Ovi. He just can't do it. It's two different eras. They're both unbelievably great. Uh, the, the the era I played in was was a great era. And the era now is fun to watch, too. I mean, they're great players. So it's, it's just too hard to compare. So same era, but different level. What was the jump like for you, Fraz, from the Ontario Hockey League to the National Hockey League? Uh, that's another one, too. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about it, it's it, it, was, it was a thing where... Um, I would say this too. It's like you want to play pro hockey out of the junior. So when you play against Kitchener, you, there's there are five best guys in the team that say you had to play against them every shift, right? And it's hard and it's a battle, and you got to outplay that guy if you want to get noticed. When you go to the pro, it's five. It's all those five guys. It's all the twenty. Now you got to do it against twenty guys. Do you know what I mean? So there's no there's no there's no level difference. Like you might have a quick shift against a rookie in in, in junior where you can light it up and get a couple goals real quick or something, or it might be a little bit easier pace for you. You go to the pros, man. Oh fuck, they all can play. They can all because that's all the best from all the teams, right? So it's like you're playing when you go to pro, especially the NHL, you're playing the best of the best. You're playing like an all-star team every single night. So it, it was a quite a jump. You, you talk about this too when you're 19, 20 years old you could be big and strong, all muscular, and, you know, you could push a barrel of hay uh, down the street, no problem. But you go against a 24-year-old from out Western Canada, that's 24, and is a man now, different kind of strength, right? And you, that's the biggest thing I know. The strength on the puck, the strength in the corners, the strength in front of the net, it's just a whole different ballgame. And you learn quick, man. I got to get, 
I got to get working, man, because these guys are these guys know what they're doing, and they're quick, right? They're quick and fast and smart. It was a, it's it's quite a jump, but um, if you want to do it, and your, your your mental side of it's good, and you want to put the time in. Um, there's a reason why you got there. So it's like anything. It's it's, it's hardest. God, God, get up to get there. It's even harder to stay. You know, you talk to anybody, right? Anyone that plays over four or five years or three years, doing pretty good because it's tough to stay there once you get there because you got everybody and their brother want to come and take your spot. So you got there. Game. Absolutely. You got there with the New York Islanders and mm -hmm. Al Arbor is your first yep. Hall of Fame legend. I mean, yep. what's that like walking into a room when Al is the coach? Un unreal. I mean, obviously, as a kid, you know who he is, right, in the hockey world, right? And I get to – I got. I remember I got called up one time, and they were in the practice rink in – I was I was one of my first two years pro, and I got called up to practice. I don't know if I was going to play. I might have got on the roster. I don't know. But the first practice, he's on the – he's the old school guy, just stands at the boards, blows a whistle, tells you what to do, right? So we're doing a, a drill, and – these guys are quick. He's got me with Pat LaFontaine or, or Pierre Turgeon and Stevie Thomas. I mean, these guys are legendary pros that skate like the wind. I'm a half a step behind him. And Al calls me, he goes, Fraser, get over here. I'm like, God damn, what do I do now? I miss a pass or something. I get over there. He goes, are you still smoking? And I go, I go, oh, yeah. Go, Stop that smoking. You can't keep up. Let's go and set me back in the line. So I was scared to death and then kind of giggled on the way out. So but that was, that was my first real run-in with uh, Coach Arbor. But he treated me really good. Um, uh, the, my last year, I kind of thought I might have should have stayed up there. But they, that team was so stacked. There was no room. And I think he did the best thing for me. I think he had his team at, at the forefront, obviously. But one of his prospects, he said, Fraz, if I pull you up here, you can play fourth line, if that, and sit in the stands. You might as well go play in the American League and, and get some more seasoning. So I think he did the right thing. But he was real nice to me, and I really enjoyed the time with him. You mentioned that uh, that bad habit of yours, Fraz. I I can't help but think of Guy Lafleur, who apparently mm -hmm. would would take uh, puffs between periods, like at intermission. Was it ever that bad for you? The old no, Windsor Arena sneak out the back door? No, not <laughs> not not during not during the game before and after. And I play with a lot of Russians who who tend to like that tobacco stuff too. So they had a couple of the Russians in Quebec and Valerie Kaminsky and Gusarov and those guys. Every day we get to to practice for the game. I'd hear Pashli Kuri Frazi. I was like, what? <laughs> means let's go let's go smoke let's go smoke as well but i remember the funny thing is you said about Guy Lafleur was when i played in quebec the trainer was a rookie trainer with Guy Lafleur, and he told me he's you know i don't want to get him in trouble but he said he'd have a lit cigarette down the hallway for Guy Lafleur in between shifts and that's a true story that's the the, the trainer actually did it because he asked me do you want one i said no i do not <laughs> it's a, the past this, this is a part-time habit of my bad habit but but it was funny. But that is true about the Gila Fleur. Yeah, that's true. I heard that too. Speak from Frenchy, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Quebec, guys like uh, Sakic, Sundin, absolute <clears throat> prime when you were there with the Nordiques. What's it like yeah. even practicing with guys like that? Yeah, I mean, you, and then to boot off that, they throw in Peter Forsberg the next year. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's three of the legendary centermen of all time, right? Um, unbelievable. Different personalities, different type players, right? Joe Sakic is the ultimate professional the ultimate fantastic human being not to say the others are i'm gonna to get to them but joe was just a guy with quiet superstar didn't say much joked around a little bit kept to himself led by example matt's very personal big strong superstar one of probably one of the nicest people i've ever met in the hockey world matt treated everyone the same like that um and then he had 
Peter Forsberg came in, just a beast. And we had Ricci as another centerman. I mean, we had – that team was just stacked. I, obviously, that's why they wanted to cut. I mean, guys moved, moved around but made some trades, but they leave Quebec. I decide to go somewhere else, thinking about money more than – more than career and they go win the cup in Colorado the next year and I take off to another team. I kicked myself in the ass for that one. But but anyway, um yeah, to go on practice with those guys, they will teach just by watching you learn, right? They're the superstars of the league. And there's a reason why they are. It's not just talent. They all had abundance of it, but it's how they prepared, how they worked, uh, how they treated other people. And that's why they're uh, you know uh, uh love so much. Like try, Matt's could be the only superstar in many, many years, has actually loved in Toronto. It's so tough to play in Toronto. And they still <laughs> love that man. Win, lose, or draw. He's just that type of person. And Joe, obviously. Joe, congrats to Joe again. I, t- I texted him after they won um, for his, for his uh, cup as a, as a GM. And he had one as a player, too. And every other piece of hardware you can think of, he's got. So And he deserves every one of it. So. You mentioned Ovi before. Uh, makes me think of another guy that, that you played with this time in Winnipeg. Maybe... Before Ovi, one of the purest goal scorers we had seen in Timu Solani. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough to watch him. You can't see him. He's so goddamn fast. <laughs> I, I mean, effortless effort. Another super nice guy, right? Super effortlessly funny as hell. Um, but watching him skate, I mean, you're, you, you kind of forget what you're doing in practice or in games because you go, oh shit, because you've been watching him. He's so effortlessly fun to watch, fun to play with. Yeah, one of my favorite guys to 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 watch play hockey was Timo. He was unbelievable, unbelievable player. Yeah, lots of fun. God, could he play hockey? We had a bunch of guys in that team that could play different styles, obviously. Um, but uh, that was a fun time too. Uh, actually, uh, because of the horse business, is Eddie O. Oh uh, yeah, Eddie Olchuk, right? He was on that team too. That last year we were in Winnipeg, and uh, his son was actually playing over in Indianapolis for the for the East Coast team, and I was when he was going through some of his health problems and stuff and he was getting healthy and I hadn't talked to him in years and years and years. And I just showed up at the game, went up and talked to him. We had a hug and talked a little bit. And I, he's good friends with a horse guy I was telling you about um, and, and my buddy in Lexington and they're good friends. So we keep in touch kind of that way. I kind of run into Eddie every once in a while, but, but Timo man, oof, boy, oh boy, oh boy, something else, something else. I had wanted to ask about one more coach too, because yeah. one of your other NHL stops was Edmonton and George Burnett was the head coach yeah. there who was an assistant yeah. when you were in Oshawa. Was it like yep. a little bit of familiarity there for you in Edmonton? 100%. I think that's the reason that uh, Edmonton picked me up. It was, uh, um, I was in a situation where, where um, I didn't have to go to the minors, but I got sent down because of, you know, veteran rule and all that stuff. And the lowest team in the, in the, in the standings, gets to have you and how the waivers work back then. I don't know if it's still the same, but, uh, and I ended up going to Edmonton. It was you know, 100% because George, he's familiarity. He knew who I was. He knew what I could do, knew what kind of person I was. And when I got there, it made my transition a little easier too. Obviously knowing the coach personally, um, it didn't mean he gave me any favors, mind you. And he shouldn't, right? Cause I mean, he's got a job to do too. Um, but just the initial, the initial move over there was quite comforting. And plus Freddie Rathit was there. Sure. The late great one of my good buddies growing up, Brian Marchman, obviously um, the tragedy with Brian, but uh, I grew up with him and his family. We were, we were friends as kids, and then Jason Arnott and and and, and Corson. And I knew all those guys, so that that transition was even made even even easier for me with George and, and all the players I knew. So, boy, you mentioned Marsh, and that gets me just thinking about he was around the rinks as a scout for years and years. Got to know him quite well, and. 
Oh, it's sudden and shocking and tragic and all of those words, eh? Shocking. Yeah, it's it's like I said, our families were close in Toronto. We played. His dad was our uh, uh, Wayne was or not Wayne Wayne coached the thing. His dad John was was my dad's friend, and he coached me with uh, a young double A team when Brian and I were just kids. And Mike Short, who actually played for the for the uh, Generals too, and, and left before Mo Cup, but um, yeah, and then through junior and stuff, uh, Mush was a killer, right? He was a he was a crusher, and he'd come up and he wouldn't hit me. And all the times I played against him, he was my friend. He'd go to Kraz, I'm gonna, if you come through that middle again, I'm gonna kill you. So I'm giving you a heads up now. Don't do that no more. You got guys like me on the other side who's ready to light you up. So, and yeah, I cried. I, actually, Corey Banica uh, uh, sent me a note because they was in Montreal and Corey was there too. And the news came out, I guess, before it hit the news that Corey knew that that Brian and I had a, a pass together and and uh, and. Uh, and actually, my mom called me too because she was, she was, she knew she on Brian and his brother Wayno. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's sad, sad for hockey, sad for his family, sad for anyone who, who knew Mush. You know, guys that played against him hated that man, but very, very nice man off the ice. Yeah, he really was. That's the guy I got to know for sure. Yeah, and yeah. it took a lot of people after him to retire to realize what a great person he is, right? Because they try to conflate the two as he was such a badass on the ice. They got to think that's all he is off the ice. No, great family man, great husband, whatever, right? Great dude, just a great dude. And, and it's uh, the hockey world uh, lost a good one there, for no sure. No question about and it. The so, world did. Yeah, for sure. What ultimately led you to Europe? Um, a couple things, probably. A knee. I had a bad knee injury with San Jose. So uh, I was actually, I did it in Kentucky. I was in Hartford playing. Kentucky was playing in Springfield. We had the night off. We were going to Buffalo. Uh, Wayne Thomas asked me, said, we won't send you down, but on the emergency, we, we go down to Kentucky to play for Kentucky, the HL team. They're in Springfield. They got missing a lot of players. I said, sure. Yeah, I'll go down. I know all those guys. I was down there. Go play. First shift blew my knee out. ACL surgery. So I was gone. And then obviously my contract was up, trying to renegotiate contract. The status I had at the time and more, more of an arrogance, I think. And probably I don't regret anything in hockey except some, decisions on what I should have done and stuff. I was only wanting a one way. Right. And not too many teams were willing to give that up at that time. So I said, what I'll go in the IHL offered me um, a very good contract, get my knee back hundred percent healthy, and then make a shot back at the NHL the following year. 60 games kind of tore me up a little bit. It, I mean, it came back too soon. It wasn't, it wasn't as strong as it you did. I didn't have, I had a good year. I didn't have a great year. Um, and then I just got the offers from Europe. And I think the body at that time, I was probably 30 at the time, maybe 29, 30, coming off major surgery too early. Um, it was just time. I thought I'd go for a couple of years and, and come back, which I had opportunities, but I kind of liked it over there at that time in my career. It was fun. A lot of guys, it's all Canadian guys and American guys from over here and some European guys sprinkled in there. So it was a great experience and great fun. Uh, so I just kept staying. I just stayed over there for the remainder of my career. You were over in Europe much earlier, of course, 95 with the world's Team Canada, where you won a bronze yeah. medal. Yeah. So what happened there was kind of an interesting story. So it was, it was it was the lockout year, obviously, right? If you remember correctly, it was a lockout year. So the season went a little bit longer than it normally did. So we had about three games left in the season with the Oilers, and they were out of the playoffs, right? Um, they weren't going to make the playoffs, so it didn't really matter. And, and Glenn Sather came to me and said, listen – um, not all the NHL guys can go over to play for Team Canada, which normally happens 
as soon as the, the teams are done the season, the best players available goes over and plays. Uh, not very many would go over. Uh, they're looking, they want you to come over if, if I would let you go. And he said, Fraz, this might be your only chance to play for your country. Would you like to do it? I said, yeah, absolutely. He didn't do anything with my contract. He paid my money, the money I had left, whatever. And he said, go over, it'd be a great experience for you. And I, I went over and joined the team over in Finland for about a, a three or four days before the tournament. And another another uh, great experience in my hockey career was that. That was unbelievable. I loved it. Great guys, great team. Fell a little short. A couple of good players on that Finnish and Swedish team, <laughs> and uh, but we had a we had a good we had a good run and it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed what's it, it like put, What's it like putting on a Team Canada jersey? Again, it, emotional, right? Pride, right? I mean, you grew up watching that stuff. Remember what it be the you know the, the World Championships? There's no Olympics back then for the hockey players, but you know, or the Canada Cup with the Super you know, the Gretzky and the Mew and all those guys doing their thing wearing the Canada shirt. But to put it on, I if you can say it's a, there's an actual uh, vibration in your body of the, the, the thrills and chills. I'd say it is. Can you put that Jersey on, man? You're like, Oh, I'm not playing for me. I'm playing for a lot of people right now. And uh, you take a lot of pride in that. I loved it. I loved it. Love it. I still have that. Sh- I mean, obviously I still have that shirt. I, my mom has it. She won't let me have it. Cause I tend to give things away a lot. But <laughs> she said, you're not touching this. It's team Canada. You're good. I'm going to keep this one safe for you. But, all right. What else? What else do you keep from the career? So the Team Canada jersey. Obviously, you've yeah. got a Memorial Cup ring, an MVP award. What stuff has traveled with you through time? Through time. Well, my mom keeps most of it because I've had a few parties in my day and given out uh, just randomly to people. I've gave all my Quebec Nordique signature equipment to someone at a party at my house one night. And Edmonton, I, I, I know what it feels like in here. I don't need to see it. It's just my mentality. If it makes you happy to have it, ah, sure you can have it. But my mom kept a lot of the stuff. Um, Memorial Cup ring. Here's a funny story. Memorial Cup ring. Um, I, it wasn't a diamond. Junior guys don't get diamonds in there. It was more of a cubic zirconian or something. But I, I cracked it in a fight in a bar one night. And, uh, and it's got a big chip out of the side and stuff. So And it's bent all up for from a, from a couple of bad, uh, bad choices late night uh, <laughs> with some bad people. Uh, so that's, that's in a case somewhere that I, I'm not allowed to wear it no more because I don't want to totally totally damage it um like i said all little things from kids a lot of stuff from junior my junior hockey jerseys um a couple of the nhl ones team canada for sure i think my dad teach my uh, team canada jacket and he still wears that for his winter coat it still fits him so he's he's as, he's as proud as i am of that so i'll let, i'll let him have that i hope the fight didn't start because somebody said you didn't deserve that ring because you earned it for us yeah, I think someone said something about that or, you know, something about my mom when she was dropping the puck or something. I took I took exception. <laughs> I might have said something about Corey Banneker or something. I don't know what they said. But, but it was something that uh, I probably didn't appreciate at the time. So that was it. Uh, a thousand pro games, a little more than, but and a thousand points as well. That's a pretty yeah. nice uh, set of numbers to hang your skates on, so to speak. Yeah, I, I mean, I you play a long time, you know, and uh, the way I play, I was just fortunate that that outside of that that one injury in my pro days, um, I had one in junior, but in pro days was just that one injury that that I could I could get over. That I was fortunate enough to play that long, and actually, someone wanted to, you know, still wanted to watch me or have me as part of their team. So I was fortunate about that. The stats are the stats, right? Um, maybe when I'm, I'm I'm getting ready to to leave this beautiful planet, I might look back and say, "Hey, you did pretty fucking good, Fras," you know, but. <laughs> As of right now, I, I just I was fortunate to play every time I got on the ice. 
to to play for a team uh, and wear a uniform and make a little bit of money and and, and, and uh, let some people have some fun watching. It was that's the big thrill to me. What do you remember of your first NHL game? Uh, I, the first thing I remember that is um, <laughs> there's a couple of funny stories on that. But anyway, my father came down. My mom never watched me play. Come on, outside the Memorial Cup, Memorial Cup game, she come to the face off and then she left. She never watched. She, she would watch a highlight now and then, but she's so scared because I used to fight a little bit in junior stuff. She didn't like that. Didn't like that. Scared to death. I was going to get hurt. But she never watched. So she didn't come down. My my brothers, my dad, my uncle, and my cousins came down to Long Island for that first game. Um, Coach Arbor put me on with some pretty good hockey players. And fortunate enough, I think I got two goals out that my first game. Two goals and assists got first star, uh, which was which was really exciting. And Stumpy Thomas is the funny part of it. Um, I'm not going to get Stumpy in trouble. Stevie Thomas, I had known from skating in the summer, um, pulled me aside. He had a little spot, and he had uh, he might have had a, 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 an affection for for nicotine at that time periodically as well. And he goes, "Fraz, I'm going to give you a treat." He took me over, and we, me and him, enjoyed uh, uh, tobacco product uh, cigarette together. And he just told me that uh, coming from a guy like Stevie Thomas, that. You know, he played great out there, Fraz. I mean, I'll never forget that moment from that guy. It was great. It was. I hope he doesn't get mad at me for telling the secret, but uh, you can cut cut out that that beer smoking. You took it aside, <laughs> but I remember. I remember that uh, Stumpy was. Uh, he was good to me. But that my parents coming down and 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 uh, the the first goal was almost in slow motion. You know what I mean? As it as it left my stick, and I seen it, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna score a goal. It's going in. Oh my God. Well, how do I cheer? What do I do? Do I do a dance? Do I do a Sally? Do I do what? And I just went, Oh shit. It went in. All right. <laughs> Off to the races now. But that was it. Yeah. It was a great experience in my life. At Nassau Coliseum. I remember. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier your U16 goalie, your billet kid was stopping by. What, what keeps you in the game at the level you're at today? Oh, um, a couple of things was um, the kids, right? Obviously we started this little program. Um, because we had a couple ex pros that married Lexington girls too, uh, that I played with in the AHL in Lexington and stuck around. And my friend John, his boys were starting hockey. And it, in this area, there's just, it's not a hockey market, right? So we decided to put this thing together. And I love seeing the kids get better. And, and, and I mean, I had so many people, as we all do in, in life, helping you. I mean, I just talked to Sherry Basson uh, yesterday, who's, who's my favorite. I mean, he did so much stuff for me. Um, uh, he he took the time to, to make sure I was doing doing stuff right properly and get me give me opportunities and coaches and uh, older guy mentors and stuff like that. That Johnny McLean's and stuff are Oshawa boys who who always just pull me aside at golf tournaments and say, "Fraz, keep going, bud." Took me you know whatever. Uh, I felt like you give it back, right? Give it back. And with my son Jake, um, he needs a lot of special care. So this hockey world that we do here with the youth, it gives me the opportunity to stay with him for the most part because most of the hockey for youth is on weekends. So um, I can do both and still and still get the enjoyment of watching kids get better, you know? So, and it's re- everywhere I freaking go. It's freaking reunion. The Cavallini's run Mission. Uh, uh, Numancos are all over the place in Chicago and Phoenix and Ricers in uh, Carolina. Uh, geez, there's so many. Everywhere I go, I run it. Oh my God, Dennis Vasky, my old uh, Islander roommate, one of my best friends runs Chicago Fury triple uh, a program so it, it keeps me going because i get to see all these guys all the time just the, in, in different hockey rinks you know so that's pretty fun too but it's kids 
see a kid get better and give it a chance because in this area there wasn't much for them if you had a conversation with uh sherry bassin yesterday i'm surprised the conversation's mm -hmm. over oh I, I i know how i've known sherry for a long <laughs> long time yeah and i just okay that's it and i just hang up <laughs> sorry sherry i love you to death but i'm done oh yeah, he is something though isn't he he's something else we we talk quite often like i said he was he was uh if I ever get any kind of uh, any kind of anything in 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 the hockey world and life too as well, he'd be one guy I think. Always on every time, no matter what. He did so much for me. He was such a him and his family uh, in Oshawa. He got me to Oshawa for one. He got me there. Um, he didn't get me to Quebec. He convinced me to go to Quebec, and he told me if I didn't go to Quebec, he was going to kill me. So because he was assistant GM at the time, <laughs> I had some other contract offers. Called me up and said, "Fraz, you're going to Quebec." I said, what? Bass, I got some other offer. You're going to Quebec. That's okay. I'm going to Quebec. So, but I thank him for a lot of, a lot of my, uh, my good fortune. He had, he had a part of it. So, yeah. Well, That's this it. has been uh, an incredible opportunity to catch up with the captain of the 1990 Memorial Cup champion, Oshawa Generals, best Memorial Cup on record. Uh, you've been so generous with your time, Fraz. Thank you so much for doing hey, this. Hey, Mike, I just hope I don't get you fired from this. Uh, I hope I did all right for you. And <laughs> someone someone tuned in and listened to it. And and uh, I wish you, uh, I'm humbled and honored that you thought of me, bud. And uh, good luck with all your the rest of your, your shows and stuff. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.